The Sonos Move is the best portable speaker I have ever owned. And I am not just being a shill here. It's too good to be called a portable speaker. It chews up and spits out its competition. It is high quality. I use the Move as both a stationary speaker and all around my house, garage, and my outdoor space. And I've dropped the crap out of it. Regular portable speakers can't take hits like the Move. Not sure I should be saying this, but I dropped it down the stairs. Maybe I should be saying this. I'd be happy to get a second. Actually, I don't need a second. Even Sonos states, don't worry about accidental drops or bumps. Move's components are protected by a hard-wearing, shock-resistant case. And my system with one I take around my place is working very well. I use my Move as a stationary speaker a lot. It hangs out on the charging base. I love that I don't have to plug in a charging cord. It has an 11-hour battery life, no joke. It works with all streaming services, the Sonos app or AirPlay, Bluetooth, Amazon Alexa, and Google Assistant. I'm too lazy to be looking for new music, so I have really loved the Sonos radio option. Some of my favorite stations are Rare Grooves, Hip Hop Archive, or just keeping it mainstream. If you're in the move, go to Sonos.com to learn more and get your Sonos move today. crazy stuff's going on and people are getting down on themselves and you know they don't have as much money and they don't have you know seem like things aren't going so good and stuff and uh and so i just want to let you know that uh you know you're nothing special Good morning, sweet world, and welcome to the No Dunks Podcast on the Athletic Network. It's Saturday, September 5th. I'm J.E. Skeets, and joining us live here on the weekend, we got Tass Mellis. Good morning, everybody. Hey, Tassie. We got the bearded one, Trey Kirby. hey yo. hey yo. We got the international man of mystery taking it to the max, Lee Ellis. Friend. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, making the magic happen, J.D. Hello. There he is, and here we are. Shout out to everyone joining us live right now on YouTube and or listening to the podcast a little bit later in the day. I wanted to say happy Derby Day to everybody out there. Oh, the big Kentucky Derby is racing today. Um, I'm a little disappointed. Nobody's got a crazy, cool, funky hat on. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I didn't even know that the Kentucky Derby was today, but uh, good luck to all the horses. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What do you say? Run fast. (laughs) Good luck to all the horses, I believe is what they say. Um, I got my eye on Storm the Court. 21 to 1 oh, odds. Nice. I mean, it's got a basketball you know, vibe to the name. So I'm going Storm the Court, the uh, number four yellow horse. Who you like, Tess? Oh, <laughs> that's the first name I've heard of. Good luck to that name, horse. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was just, you, you brought this back in my brain because usually this is run earlier in the summer, right? Spring, summer, but they delayed it to September yeah, the 5th. So. Yeah. And back then, I remember seeing that date and I thought, well, maybe we could venture on down there. It'll have it'll definitely have fans by then, right? 
guess no, not. No, no. Uh, actually, I just heard that all of the uh, fans in the stands are going to be other horses. <laughs> That's fine. It works I love that also, guy. Did you hear the horses can bring one family member? Oh, one wow. of their family members. <laughs> Only one, in the second round. Only one, the horses that make the second round of the derby. One all right, I just four. looked at the, the lineup. I don't know what you call a horse derby <laughs> schedule of a lineup. There's another basketball name here, so I'm going with Max Player. A oh. 15 to 1 odds uh, choice here at the two spot. What does that mean? He's at the what? two spot. Second oh. one in. Yeah, is that good or bad? Do you want to be inside rail or outside? Mm, I don't know. I don't want to get caught up. Lee, do you know anything about horse racing? You're Australian. Uh, well, not so much about the Kentucky Derby, but I've got the field here as well. So I'm going to go with uh, my man Richard uh, Branson. There's Necker Island at 85 to 1. All right. So I uh, thought you'd yeah. go with Max Player Special there. No? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, money moves. I don't mind money moves. Well, that could be money mellows, I suppose. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, I can that's, that. that's a task force for that. sure. Yeah. All right. JD, you got any picks? You got it in front of you? Uh, yeah, give me Mr. Big News. I'm a big Mr. Big fan. <laughs> all right, good luck to all the horses today. I, I actually had to look it up uh, when I was uh, going to you know, throw this out at you guys. Uh, it said a couple, like, beside the horse's name, SCR. I was like, what? Like, by the where their odds would be normally. I was like, what What does that mean? I guess it means scratch. So yeah. I think a couple of these horses have been scratched. So unfortunately, no good luck to those horses. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> But, get uh, healthy to those horses. Yes, get healthy for sure. All right, keep your uh, questions and your comments coming for the next Beach Steppin' podcast next week. Email them in, nodunksattheathletic.com, or tweet them in at nodunksinc. Uh, we'll get to some Mr. Big News a little bit later in the show, JD. But uh, first, some game recaps looking back at two games on Friday night. We'll start in the Eastern Conference. The Miami Heat use a big fourth quarter, a very big fourth quarter, to take the 3-0 series lead over the Milwaukee Bucks, they are in trouble. Trey, get us started, my man. Where you want to? What do you want to start first? Folks, all Jimmy Butler has ever wanted to do is work hard and be the man. In the fourth quarter, he was working hard, so the Milwaukee Bucks just straight up let him be the man. This was another takeover by Jimmy Butler, going down 12, heading into the fourth quarter. Butler outscores the Bucks 17 to 13. Uh, and he just set the tone from basically the jump. In the fourth quarter, he kept getting to the line. The Heat were in the bonus with six minutes remaining. You know, Butler is cooking at that point, so Giannis finally decides uh, to guard Jimmy Butler. Butler goes right by him. It's a dish to Bam for a bucket inside. Then it's another blow-by by Butler on Giannis for a layup, and then it's another blow-by by Butler on Giannis. He kicks it out to Jay Crowder, an unsung hero in Game 3, knocks down his fifth three, the Bucks. Leading by 12 going into the fourth, but it's 40 to 13 heat in the fourth quarter. And I don't know, guys. It's uh it's looking at the wor- at the best for the Bucks. This is looking gentlemanly because uh mm-hmm. I don't know. The heat looked great that fourth quarter. It just felt like the Bucks' soul was slipping out of their body. Oh, it was Absolutely. a bad, bad fourth quarter for Milwaukee. Shot six of twenty-three from the field, zero for ten from distance, and uh, like you said, outscored by Jimmy Butler alone, seventeen to thirteen. It's over, baby. Yeah, a bad fourth quarter. That, that was the worst fourth quarter in NBA history in the history of the playoffs, being beat by twenty-seven points. It doesn't get worse than that. They got shellacked. And and like you said, Trey, they were up 12 going into the fourth quarter. They were still up double digits with 10 minutes left. But yeah, their soul has evaporated. Really, when you're you're up by 11 points with 10 minutes left, 
And then you just kind of stopped. What really happened was the Heat worked harder. They, they really did. They're up 11. Uh, the Heat get a shot up. Offensive rebound. Bam goes to the free throw line. Next possession. Offensive rebound. Jimmy scores. Mm-hmm. Then Eric Bledsoe comes down the other way. Chucks up a three early in the shot clock, which is an yeah. Eric Bledsoe trend from, from past lower. Other way, Goran Dragic hits a three. All of a sudden, that 11-point lead is a four-point lead. Then Giannis goes to the bench for two minutes, which we will debate in a second. He comes back, and it's a one-point lead. But then, boom, it's over. It's just It was just over that they score 13 points in the fourth quarter after leading by double digits. What does that say? That just says that they're done. They're really done in this series. They, they know that uh, even though they executed for three quarters, they know the team it, that uh, across the floor is working harder than them, getting five offensive rebounds in a quarter in the fourth there. That's it's just way too many. They just mm-hmm. got outworked, outpassioned, outhustled. And, uh, you know, you can go through the mistake mistake after mistake for the uh, the Bucks or um, yeah, the Bucks in the fourth quarter like we did in game three. They, they made plenty down the stretch, but when it comes down to it, they got out toughed. They know this thing's done. Yeah, I think uh, for this game in that fourth quarter, Giannis tried to fight when he did play. He was out there competing and trying. So was Brooke Lopez. After that, no one else, I thought, had that same sort of resistance. You know, like Miami, when they got back into the game and you were thinking, okay, the Bucks have to steady here. And it was like, is Bledsoe going to step up? Is uh, Chris Middleton going to step up? Nobody really did. And Giannis was trying to force things. And he gets himself sort of caught up. And then they were kind of relying on Brooke Lopez to just kind of hit some shots and make some plays. And again, that's that's a problem for the Bucks. And it comes back again to the coaching of Mike Budenholzer. He seems confused. He doesn't seem to know quite exactly what he should be doing out there and what his rotation should be and who should be playing the most minutes. I know he's going to defend that thing about Giannis, you know, 36 to 38 minutes to get into the ceiling. But you're seeing what the Raptors did to get back into their series against the Celtics when Nick Nurse is basically like, let's just play everyone until they fall over because that's what we need to do. We need our best players out there. But uh, the Bucks, the same sort of problems that have haunted them in the last couple of seasons with, again, guys like Bledsoe just com- went completely missing yesterday. And I don't know what they can do to even win a game now uh, because this one, again, if you compare this, what happened to the Raptors against the Celtics when the Raptors blew that lead on the Marcus Smart 5 threes, it was, <clears throat> it was like the Raptors sort of stayed in that game gave themselves a chance but here once the heat got ahead the bucks kind of were just like all right we we can't fight back anymore we're done and this is a team that should have been desperate and fighting and scrapping for every possession but instead it felt like the miami heat were the ones who were just more desperate to go three nil up and not to give any ground back at all Mm -hmm. to the bucks yeah that's what i talked about after game two that was the vibe i was getting from that victory from from the heat it was like "Uh uh-oh uh-oh i think they know that they're going to win this series and they know they can kill the bucks and uh, they've crushed their spirit a little bit. Though you're right, the Bucks played pretty well for a good chunk of this game, but uh, the takeover there... I mean, Jimmy Butler's clowning them, too, in the fourth quarter. Like you said, that one there, Trey, where he drives baseline again around Giannis and a beautiful pass out to Jay Crowder. I mean, he splits it between a bunch of traffic there, and Crowder, who's on fire, hits the three. Jimmy, I mean, turning into Steph Curry there, like, he passed it and his hand was up. That's a three. He's going <laughs> back on defense before Crowder's even let it go. Um, so yeah, that's got to be even you know insult to injury there from uh, Jimmy Butler in the Heat, um, just shutting these guys down. Everybody knows the stat: no team in NBA history has ever come back after trailing 3-0. So it's a wrap. I mean, they're not going to do it. I don't think they're going to be the first. I guess you could say, look, if it were to ever happen, maybe it would happen in this weird environment where there's no you know home court advantage and all that. Maybe, but 
the Heat are just a much better team. That's the, that's the fact of it. And they're playing harder, like Tass said. So you add those two things together, and you got the closer in Jimmy Butler over the closer in Giannis, who, who struggled again. There were stretches, Lee, where the ball didn't even go to Giannis mm. down, down the stretch. Like, you're, you're right. Of course, when he gets to him, he is attacking. He is giving it his all. There were a good couple of possessions where he didn't even touch the ball on yeah. offense. Well, and two things out of that. Giannis, again, uh, he's trying to force stuff. But that Miami Heat defense is like, if you do get the ball, we're just going to put four people on you and make you make a play. And sure. he's not really able to do that. And again, he's got shooters out there. They should be able to knock down those shots. But those guys don't really want the ball, to be honest with you. They're not sort of like saying, all right, I, I know this is coming. I know that the Heat's defense is right now. I'm going to get open and I'm either going to drive or I'm going to take a three. I'm going to make some sort of uh, effort play here because... The Heat know if they can just make it difficult for Giannis, the Bucks' plan B is not working right now. And and again, that that comes there back is to, no plan B. It, that comes back <laughs> is to there the coach. Plan A. I don't it know comes if back a to plan Coach a. Bud and and what's Budenholzer doing there because he seems to be a little bit confused as to uh, how he's going to mix things up and make it so that like, okay, if you guys don't want Giannis to beat you, then these other guys will. That's why we've got these experienced guys. That's why we've got three point shooters. These guys should be the ones stepping up and knocking down shots, but they don't seem to be wanting it in that moment. Yeah, and that's why I kind of felt that they're the Bucks are a regular season team because they just they don't really have a closeout plan. It's hey, let's flick this thing around the perimeter, and somebody will make a play like the rest of the game. I mean, that, I think they blowed out they blowed out they blew out teams game after game after game in the regular season uh, because everybody on their team can sort of make a play. But when you get the ball at the three point arc and you have a really pressing defense, fourth quarter playoff defense. Number one, it's a lot different. Number two, you just need guys who can fight and scrap through that uh, and make some plays. And uh, it kind of has to be one guy. It can't just be this democratic thing like everybody's going to touch it. And Brooke Lopez make a put the ball on the floor from the three-point line. I mean, that's going to get picked against this great Heat defense. Uh, mm-hmm. There just wasn't really a, a, a set plan. You just need a star. That's why you, you need a star to take over. And sometimes Giannis from the free-throw line worked. Um, but it just seems like they didn't necessarily have uh, an end game to these these last few minutes. And sometimes it's Bledsoe, which didn't end up well. And sometimes it's Brooke out there. Sometimes it's DiVincenzo. There's just it's just too many options. On the other side, you know it's Jimmy. Finish it off. On the Milwaukee side, it's just I don't know. Everybody's going to touch it, and I think that's. That's part of the problem with these bud teams. It's it's you're relying on so many guys, uh, and you can say like, look at Boston. They kind of do that, and and they do. They have three guys that sort of do that. Um, but at least you know it's the three guys, and and they kind of take it out of Jalen Brown's hands as well. It's kind of just a Kemba Tatum show. Uh, it's there's just it was just too much. It was too many. There and I, and I think let's get to the Giannis minutes uh, mm-hmm. because yeah, he played 36 minutes in this game. He sat. Two minutes of game time in the fourth quarter, uh, which, you know, they lost by three points there. Uh, I, I don't know. And that was after a timeout. I don't know why you don't bring him out after a timeout. Get him up to 38 minutes. I'm not sure why you're trying to keep him fresh there when the game is slipping away uh, as he sits there. And the game was just, they were just losing it while he was on the floor before that as well. And then you just have bad decisions uh, made out there while, um, you know, uh, 
play more, just a few more minutes. <laughs> and, and it's crazy because actually watching this and going to the fourth quarter, I thought Bud kind of controlled the rotation better. He took Pat Connaughton out of the rotation, basically. Kyle Korver's minutes were cut down to five minutes. Uh, so he was kind of playing eight and a half guys, and he got good minutes out of DiVincenzo. Um, and, and George Hill and Marvin Williams were the other guys off the bench. It kind of worked out. But I just don't get why you don't play your stars a touch more. Like, it's coming down from... The medical staff, uh, like he said after the game, 36 minutes is our ceiling for Chris Middleton and him. Uh, I don't know. He says, I, I think. <laughs> this is the problem. I think that's pushing the ceiling, playing them 35 to But really, like, Giannis playing another four minutes, does that really make that much of a difference? Jimmy Butler played the exact same minutes that Giannis did, and Jimmy Butler dominated this game. Giannis could be out there dominating. He has five-minute stretches where Bud's able to get him going, where he's able to attack the rim and get around uh, the wall that the Heat are building. But otherwise, he's not out there taking the game by its horns, I don't no. think. And, you know, he could play 40 minutes, but if it's 40 minutes at... 95% of Giannis, then the Bucks are going to continue to lose. Giannis can be better. He's got to figure out something else because like you guys are saying, people were missing a lot of jump shots there in the fourth quarter and Giannis was still passing the ball out to him. Let's see something in the lane. Let's see like a little mm-hmm. dinker or dumper from 10 feet. You know, you don't have to pass it out every single time. We're not expecting Brooke Lopez to make plays on the perimeter. The MVP has to be the MVP. Yeah, he, well, that's it. and that's it. We've talked about it. Like, feels like ad nauseum now. He needs to add something. The in between game has to be added to his repertoire here. Like, don't even worry so much about the three. I mean, it'd be nice if everybody can hit a three, of course, when you're out there on the floor in, in today's game. But it is the driving and getting somewhere around the paint, and then whatever you're doing. Is it just a little pull up jumper? Like, is it Kawhi like? I mean, okay, good luck. That might be a little difficult for a guy of his size and his stature, but. Yeah, some little floater, some little hook, something around the paint that he has to add to his game. I think that's a given, and and hopefully he knows that too. But he should, like all that said though, in a must-win game, we just saw it with the Raptors. They played their two best guys that have been playing their best. Heavy, heavy minutes, because you got to win or your season's over. So ride him into the ground here, and he still plays the honest 35. Okay, now he has the ankle situation. I get that. There's a little twist to it. But Middleton only played 36. There's no reason that they shouldn't be playing at least 40, I don't know, two minutes? 40 plus at the very least. It's like that that's six minutes, seven minutes where they could be getting them, their best guys out there. And and uh, that it's just perplexing to me when it's like your season's on the line. Like, come on, make that's a that's a very easy adjustment, if you want to call it that. Play our best guys more. I mean, okay, wow. Giannis is 25 years old. So if he can't play 42 minutes in a playoff game right now, then there's something wrong. Chris Paul, who's 35. You understand why Billy Donovan kind of gave him a little bit of a rest in the fourth quarter of games because he is their closer and he went out and did it. But when you're 25 years old, you should be able to play 40, 42 minutes in a must-win playoff game without really any problems. LeBron and, is playing those minutes yeah. like half the time. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and the, older. the other adjustment for Giannis is, is that three-point shot. He's got to just put that away. He's two for 13 in the series. It's kind of made out like he's an improved three-point shooter and, and he was on the season, but he's yeah. still only 30%. He's, when he's shooting those threes, 0 for 7 last night, they're basically just turnovers for the for the, for the the Bucks. And the Heat are like, shoot them all you want, man. Yeah. Seriously, if you're, if you're going to take threes, even if you hit a couple, that's fine. We'll live with that. But that's where Giannis has to be. Like I say, he's, he sort of is getting stuck in the paint. He's trying to force things a little bit too much rather than trying to be a little bit more creative. Now, he'll learn that, I think. I think he'll become a better player for mm-hmm. it. But right now, he's just struggling, and he's running into sort of like Bam or, or Crowder, whoever's down there. And, and they're kind of like just standing around saying, well, what are you going to do now? And occasionally he'll, he'll get those um, layups and things, but he's not doing it at a, at a sort of crushing rate. 
that is putting the Bucks in a strong position. He's, he's hitting a couple, but the Heat are kind of like, we'll live with this for now. Yeah, and that's why he desperately needs to add that mid-range game of some sort because he keeps barreling into guys yeah. too. This becomes a recurring issue too where he gets all these offensive fouls. I think like, I saw the stack going around. He's like, let, led the league by a mile, right? In offensive fouls, like trucking over guys. Because if you're the defender... You know he's not stopping and popping. You know yeah. he's not flipping it up. You know he's either kicking or driving into you right right to the rim. So, like, you know, you try and establish yourself. You can take the hit and fall over. You're going to get the offensive uh, call, so uh, the charge called. So, yeah, yeah, he needs to have that. But the Heat were awesome again, too. Um, you know, I, I don't want to, like, discredit them here. I know we talked about Butler, but all those guys, like you said, Crowder's been massive. Bam with the 20-16 and 16, sort of unheralded, huge rebounds. Guys just hitting timely shots. Drogic, once again, I thought, you know, at good chunks of the game, sort of taking over just enough for Jimmy. And uh, then you get, you know, we get weird Jimmy after the game, you know, talking his <laughs> junk and all that. And Haslam told him to take over. I just kept thinking of you, Trey. I know how much you love Jimmy Butler, and uh, you were the one guy to take the bucks. I was like, ah, oh, this has got to be killing TK because he does love, love, love Jimmy. And he's that's why it's fine. To- that's why it's fine to me. Yes, I picked against Jimmy Butler, but if you've listened to the show for the past decade, my bona fides are established. Yeah. I just love this guy because you know he goes out there, he dominates the Bucks in the fourth quarter, brings home another win. And then he's sitting on the bench, and you can tell that he knows the camera is on him because he just starts uh, spouting off inspirational quotes to yep. his teams around him. I told you, we got some mother effers and ball on this team. Say I'm effing right. Say I'm effing right. I told you, Jimmy Butler knows where the camera is 100% of the time, and he's going to play to it every time. And then he comes out in like post-game press conferences, he's like, it's not just me out there. It's not just me out there. He's like the humblest guy of all time. We're on to you, Jimmy. And we love it. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't He wasn't talking to anybody. No. Like It wasn't like somebody was like, uh, sorry, what? He's just like, yeah, you're right. He knows camera's on. He's saying all this stuff. And everybody on the Heat's probably like, who are you talking to, man? Like, we, yeah, we were confident. We were pretty confident we were going to win this game too. But he's just playing it up. And uh, it's fun. It's fun. I love seeing him take over once again. That's two games now where he is outclassed uh, I mean really three I guess if you're counting the free throws to win game two he's taking over down the clutch but uh man 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 so do the Bucks have any chance to win game four let's ask it I mean is it over is it a sweep sweep or we get a gentleman sweep wow man it's crazy to think the Bucks will get swept in the second round but I, I sort of feel that that the way that game ended that might have just sucked the life out of them knowing that no matter what position they're in they can blow it and uh really it just comes down to clutch time again and do you have any faith that the Bucks are going to be able to execute any better than they have so far nope. I mean I mean and like because I, cause I, I said Bud to change anything up no. or give them more minutes no and no. and you're playing and you're playing the Miami Heat who are definitely wired like a, differently than a lot of teams because of mm. Jimmy and this bolster and like I feel like they're more like let's end it let's kill them you know they're like, not sure. gentlemen at all that's no. the thing that comes down to me could this be a gentleman sweep with Jimmy Butler with his dastardly mustache I doubt it <laughs> probably not probably yeah. not well I, I picked the Bucks yesterday and for three quarters I thought yeah this is just what was going to happen you know the Heat just weren't quite in rhythm but that one quarter just changed everything and that's the thing with the Bucks. they're going to go into this game knowing that like even even if they build up a 15 point lead it's not safe against the against the Heat so uh uh, yeah, I'll say a sweep, but that's, man. I wonder if Budenholzer keeps his job if they get swept. Uh, that's you do a, not uh, like to hear afterwards. We had won six straight quarters up until that point. Yeah. Immediately, I flashed to Jim Boylan saying, we're looking at growth plates here. When you're talking yeah. about winning quarters in the playoffs, the game is lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Tass? Yeah, it's 
time to get another coach to take them over the line. Whether or not they win in game four or game five, they're just if they don't have that grittiness, they just you can't match a grittiness level of another team. And and I thought. Uh, you know, coming into the third quarter, you know, I saw Chris Middleton yell at Brooke Lopez and I thought, whoa, there is some life in this team. Chris Middleton probably would be the one to make the shots down the stretch. Like he's the guy who can uh, put it on the floor. But um, everybody else in the rotation and it's going to fall down on the coach if they can't match a greatness level, whether it's five games or whether it's four games. Yeah, I mean, I think it feels like it's definitely over. Uh but, uh, well, then there's yeah. the elephant in the room, too, of what Giannis does with his extension, right? Uh, that he's going to be offered immediately when, that, when that's a possibility. And uh, does he sign it or not? Uh, and if he doesn't, uh-oh, here we go in Milwaukee. Uh, now, I'm on record saying he does, but uh, this being swept in the second round, possibility of being swept in the second round and maybe moving on from your coach, so that's... It's a whole new wrinkle to this. Uh, I don't know where to go with that one. So we'll see. Yeah. We will see. You never know. I, I, I feel like guys can sign that monstrous extension and then demand a trade a year into it. Oh, so for they, sure. So they don't get questions. Like he is signed through next year. So you sign that and you play your one year and decide after that. I mean, but there's lots of talk about a one plus one uh, playing it like LeBron to mm. make sure that Milwaukee puts a better uh, guard system, coach system uh, around him. Yeah. George Hill still has faith. We're still here in the bubble, he said. It's not the first one to win three games. I love this. It's the first one to win four games. We still have basketball to play. George Hill still believes. But uh, they're going to have to bring it in the fourth quarter. The Bucks have scored 59 total points in the fourth quarters of all three of these games. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to get it done. Just, just ask the officials to put it up that it's quarter number three in the fourth quarter or something like that. <laughs> they're, they're, all, they're leading by double digits go to the fourth and then... How can you have the worst point differential in the fourth quarter in playoff history? This team that was bashing teams had the you know the largest point differential, beating teams by 11 points. Did not having fourth quarter experience hurt this team during the, during the regular <laughs> season? The games were over. Too good in the regular season. <laughs> interesting, interesting oh, wrinkle. Wow. All right. Let's get uh, keep it going here. Rockets run away from the Lakers. Trey Kirby called this one. Uh, Rockets take game one, 112 to 97. Um, another big run to ask in the fourth quarter really uh, propelled the Rockets to this victory. A 14 0 run there at the uh, beginning of the fourth. Rockets game one. What's your big takeaway? Yeah. Houston is in this thing to win it, obviously. Uh, they're, they're ready to fight and scrap. Uh, and I, and I say that because the team that's quite larger in the Los Angeles Lakers didn't crush them with points in the paint didn't really hurt them on the glass the Rockets were ready to fight I'm sure James Harden uh, feels good to be free of Lou Dort uh, he was <laughs> he was amazing uh, yeah. against whoever it was Danny Green or KCP on him uh, Russell Westbrook very very good I guess it would help if the Lakers had Avery Bradley in this series uh, just to be a you know a, a tinier Lou Dort um, on, on James Harden uh, but somebody's gonna have to step up in game two uh, because the Rockets, uh, they just they beat them on both ends, really. Mm-hmm. Um, the Rockets had 27 points off turnovers because the Lakers, it, it did kind of remind me of game one against the Blazers. I thought the Lakers weren't really moving, weren't really getting to their spots, and they were kind of caught in the mud, and, and the Rockets were ready to pounce on those balls. And when you have 27 points off turnovers, a quarter of your points off uh, you know live ball turnovers like that, uh, that, that just feeds the Rockets. It, it really did. And, and Harden um, fed them in the first half and kept that spirit up. 11 first half free throws for Harden, I thought, was monstrous. And then in the fourth quarter, um, 
you have Rajon Rondo uh, leading the, the team there at the beginning of the fourth quarter, and they're working him in. These are his first minutes in the playoffs, and he, you can't have a backup guard turn the ball over four times. Uh, mm. you, ju- you just can't, yeah. and that, that really hurt the team. Uh, it would have been a lot nicer if he didn't have those back spasms in the first round because he was sort of back from his, his thumb injury, but then the back kicked up. It would have been nice if he could play against Portland uh, instead of this Houston team, a, a better squad, because now they're trying to work him in. And I, I don't mind them working him in. Uh, I think that everybody is sort of being overblown. He played 24 minutes. He has seven more garbage time. So I, they were just trying to trying to get him uh, acclimated. But he, very, he obviously wasn't good. But I, I think the, the bigger problem was the Rockets were better on both ends, and Rondo played into that. And uh, he, he should, could have played less, but at the same time, all credit to Harden and Westbrook. They were better, and their defense was better. Yeah, a lot of the keys to the series that we were pointing out sort of came true uh, for the Rockets in Game 1, especially defensively, Lee. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about Harden and Westbrook were fantastic, but I think P.J. Tucker was absolutely incredible in this game defensively, what he brought. He didn't score all that many points, and I think... The effort that he's been putting on defensively is actually starting to affect his offensive game a little bit because he's not shooting the three all that well, those corner threes that we know he does so well. But on that defensive end, he just does not give an inch. And Anthony Davis yesterday struggled badly when PJ was the, the lone defender on. Tim McMahon had a stat. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was very, very impressive for PJ Tucker. <laughs> and, uh, well, I, I read through it this well, morning. Well, this okay, is- so, so I think uh, throughout the regular season, Tucker's done the best job out of anyone on yeah. Anthony Davis. But uh, I, I don't think he was matched up a ton of times in, in game one specifically. Well, so this is, this, is the, this is why I, was, I, was, I read it and I wasn't quite sure about it. it said, so Davis finished 25 points, 10 for 16 shooting, right? Yeah. But according to ESPN stats, Davis was 0 for 1 from the field and committed two turnovers in 26 possessions, which Tucker was the primarily defender. Right. Primary okay. defender. That's, I which, saw that which, too. Yeah, which that just seems a little odd that he would only have taken one shot on 26 possessions. That's, that's all. So, so I, great I, Tucker is, man. Yeah, yeah. Can't but, even but, get the ball up. But the thing is, you think he's 35 years old. He's playing a ton of minutes. Of course, everyone plays a ton of minutes to the Rockets. He's coming off a of game seven, two days rest, or not even two days rest, one day rest. And he went out there and gave that sort of effort, which I think just set the tone. And the Rockets' defense was brilliant. Uh, so everyone deserves credit. They were great. But I think a lot of it starts with just the way that Tucker sort of sets that tone because he is basically their only big, their only significant big, even though he calls himself a small. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, Did you see short, the, worldwide, uh, the worldwide Wob clip of uh, Tucker defending LeBron in the post? Yes. On that, like, called him a cinder block or whatever? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He couldn't move him. He, he couldn't, couldn't move, move him. him. You know, so that to me Strong is like, like like Tucker, you know, again, he's 35. He has had some injuries in the past. They, yeah, they've got to keep him on the floor, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and the amount of minutes and the physicality that he's playing with could catch up with him at some point. But uh, but overall, it's not just him. That Rockets defense intensity was fantastic yesterday. And can they keep it up? Because what I think this will be a long series uh, and they've shown signs of it, certainly against the, the Thunder they did it at times. But we also saw at times it wasn't quite as intense and that's right. going to be uh, important for Houston in this series because we know the Lakers are going to bounce back. Yeah, no, they were deflecting passes and grabbing loose balls. And, and like Tass said, uh, 17 turnovers from the Lakers. Some of them 
their own fault, I think. Sloppy passing and stuff like that. A lot of them live ball. But yeah, 27 points off turnovers. That's huge. Uh, LeBron talked about it, though, Trey. I mean, you said LeBron likes to use these game ones as these weird feel-out games. And he even said, we got to feel for their speed. That's a LeBron quote. And it probably was a little shocking to some extent. He called them the greatest show on turf. He called them the L.A. Rams from the early 2000s. That's a football reference. And he went four deep on the references, too. He brought out Oz Hakeem. Like, you can bring out Torrey Holt. No big deal. Marshall Falk, that's easy. But when you're reaching for... Oz Hakeem, it's a serious comparison. Those are sports, man. I was impressed. Um, But it was the perfect game one storm. For whatever reason, LeBron loves the feel-out game. And I have to imagine that the Rockets in the James Harden era have won 100% of their game ones. They're almost the inverse Raptors just because the Rockets really make you play their game. They're so different than any other team in the league that in game one, like LeBron saying, you can't simulate the speed. You can't simulate guys switching all the time because the Rockets do it for an entire season. So then you're suddenly playing uh, another football reference that Karan Butler made. The Rockets established the run. They're playing slow. Suddenly you're playing Rockets ball. It happened in the Thunder series as well, where you just get involved in all these ISOs. You're like, yeah, yeah, PJ Tucker is short. I'm LeBron. I'm going to run him over. But suddenly you're shooting a reverse, uh, not even looking at the rim (laughs) instead of actually getting uh, some sort of good shot, right? We've talked a lot of times that the way to beat the Rockets is move the ball. Just keep it moving, keep it yeah. moving. They got to stay on a string. They're good when you can load up on them and everybody knows exactly where they need to be. But if the ball keeps pinging around, it's uh, it's going to be a little bit tougher for Houston. So I was not surprised to see LeBron chilling in game one. I was not surprised to see the Rockets play Rockets basketball in game one. And yep. James Harden is great in game ones as well. That's why to me, game two, it's already pivotal. If we see this again from Houston, then we can think that LA is in mm. trouble. But things went poorly for the Lakers, no doubt about it. But it's kind of a little bit on them as well. I just feel like they don't really care to win that game one. And maybe that's why LeBron James has gone to so many more game sevens than Michael Jordan. I don't remember Michael Jordan ever having a feel-out game in the playoffs. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, interesting. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, look, Houston has matched up well, right, versus the Lakers all season long. They've played great defensively, best defense in the league right now in the playoffs for the Rockets. You know, 101.4. Points per 100 possessions, that's damn good. A lot better than they did in the regular season. Um, Yeah, and you guys said it, like, Harden efficient 36. That's the big thing. 36 for James Harden, I mean, he can do it in his sleep. Efficiently, though, Westbrook, awesome attacking. 24 points, 9 boards, 6 assists. Six assists, that's perfect from him. And then Eric Gordon. I mean, you you want to talk about Tucker getting a lot of, like, the credit defensively? Eric Gordon has been Mm. damn good both you know obviously he's going to give you the points he's going to hit some threes but defensively that guy has been like he was locked in at times on Chris Paul in that list last series he did some decent job on LeBron even in game one he's given it his all so yeah the question yeah the question is just like yeah how will LeBron and the Lakers come at them a little differently now that they got a feel for their speed but just can the Rockets sustain this uh three more times to get victories and I'm talking about this being their defense like the effort that they have to put up there and you're right the Lakers bail them out if they just sort of like iso or you know uh, live with a three like you're right Trey man you gotta just keep zip it around and then keep just driving drive in drive in drive in and that will tire them out and and maybe it will again um but but great game from the Rockets it was fun I'm glad they won this game it makes it like Sort of makes it like a series immediately, right? Sure. I, th- I think Rondo was a little bit of sticky hands. There's no doubt uh, because that's how Rondo plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think LeBron won't let that happen again. If it comes to a fourth <laughs> quarter, he's just not going to let. You can go if you're on the floor. 
you know, I'm sure he'll talk to Frank Vogel and, and they'll decide if, if Rondo, how many minutes Rondo's going to play. But if Frank Vogel plays him, LeBron's got to take it out of his hands a little bit uh, because it, it was a little too sticky. They have to zip it because uh, that's where they are their best. But even if they do get down in the post, like LeBron, you know, he was moving the cinder block a little bit, but he just decides to flick it over his shoulder instead of <laughs> turning around and shooting over the guy who's shorter than him. I, I mean, that's I, I didn't I didn't get some of their decisions there. Mm-hmm. I think I think AD falls in line with what LeBron does, and LeBron is a a game one feeler. There's no doubt. Um, but but at the same time, and so so we didn't get the best AD, even though you know he's skilled enough uh, to pour in that many points. Uh, on any game like this, you know, he's still ten for sixteen, which is nuts to say he didn't have a good game. But he was, you know, twenty five and fourteen. It still didn't feel like he didn't he didn't dominate because he mm-hmm. could dominate this this type of team. Uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, they, they didn't get they had ninety seven points on the night. That they had ninety three against Portland in their first game. I, I think they will be better. Um, but we can we can give all the credit to the Rockets uh, because yeah, Harden. Game one, master. Game two, yeah, it'll slow down a little bit. But yeah, we have, we have. Uh, I'm not going to get back into the Schumann stats, but yeah, we're 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 in line here for a series, and that's really really exciting. Yeah, Rond- uh, Rondo though, the Rockets are happy to just leave him alone right. uh, because he. I can play those minutes that Rondo's playing out there because he's sort of just standing around trying to wait for someone to pass without creating. He needs to be more aggressive than he was last night, and the Rockets are like, we'll live with you with the ball in your hands. That's fine with us. So. And Lakers, Lakers Twitter was turning on Rondo last oh, night. Yeah. As well. It doesn't take long. <laughs> oh, no. no. Well, well, that pass he put off the backboard, the inbound pass, <laughs> yeah, that, was, that, was, that was rough. I, yeah. like, like, this isn't the 1980s where he has to dribble to, to create. You know, he, he gets those assists because he's a one-pass man because he's going to hold it for 15 seconds. Yeah. And but that's the problem. Yeah, that is a problem for sure. Yeah, because he, he, he either dribbles, 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 and then gives someone a pass late in the shot clock, or he pulls up and stops, and then he won't shoot it. Mm-hmm. So the Rockets are like, well, we, we, we'll let you shoot it, man. That shot's there, and he won't yeah. do it. So, I mean, Vogel needs to... Look, if you see, if you start to see this again from Rondo in game two, like you were saying, like the ball sticking and him not looking great because he's rusty or whatever because he's also old at this point, Vogel has to pull him because he's not giving you anything. He doesn't really give you anything defensively anymore. I know the I know we hold on to that idea of Rondo being a lockdown defender. That's long gone, guys. So uh, we'll see what Vogel does. But the key to the series, I said, was every Laker player not named LeBron or Anthony, um, worry about them. Those guys are going to get theirs, and they sort of did, but everybody else shot a combined like 34%. You know, and that was even with Caruso hitting a couple threes, the ball dort. Um, so that's the game plan. If I'm the Rockets still, that's fine. LeBron's going to get the 35. AD's probably going to get the 35. Just shut everybody else down if you can. Like Kyle Kuzma, that, was his name mentioned in the broadcast? Mm. When he got uh, pissed, when he got pissed and he got taken <laughs> off there. Yeah, yeah, he was mad. It was he a pretty didn't. quiet Kuzma game, you know, pretty he quiet Danny Green game. Carl Kuzma, unfortunately. <laughs> People are calling for Dion Waiters, Skeets. And <laughs> that's a scary situation to be in when you're like, we need Dion Waiters to step up here. Uh, I don't think it's that drastic at this point. Waiters will probably help. But uh, if you're counting on Waiters to be the guy that takes you to a title, yikes Ooh. mode. Yeah. Um, we did have a poster dunk in this before we oh, move yeah. on. I mean... LeBron put put Westbrook on the poster there. Then he had the huge block on Westbrook too, mm-hmm. uh, where I thought Westbrook was going to punch it on him. But uh, then that was the one where LeBron went the other way and barreled through Covington and got the foul. And 
He nearly uh, punched the referee in the face when he did his double <laughs> flex. Did you see that? <laughs> when he threw the he threw the Lee Ellis Mo Pete uh, Scherzi guns up, uh, he nearly punched the ref <laughs> in the face. There. But uh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy for the Rockets to get this victory. They looked awesome. All three of their main guys, like I said, in Harden, Westbrook, and, and Eric Gordon, contributing offensively and then just defensively. Everybody was on a string again in that game. So it'll be an interesting game too. Anything else to add, gentlemen? I'll ask that classic question. No, but I will say. Uh, <laughs> all right. We got uh, some news still to tackle here on today's No Dunks, but first, a quick break to pay the bills. This is going to sound sick, but literally the first thing I thought about this morning was doing a Manscaped ad read. Lying in bed, my eyes still closed, thinking about Manscaped. Hard going to sleep even last night, knowing that Clippers Nuggets was a wow. reality. Wow. Jabal Furry versus Landry Shave It. Entrez <laughs> No Harrell versus Shave Some Plumleys. The Manscaped Mega Bowl is here. Whew. But LA is well rested and very good. So Clippers Nuggets may be cut short. And if you're looking to clip your nugs short, let me tell you a little bit about the Lawnmower 3.0 Cordless Body Trimmer. With its ceramic blade and skin safe technology, the Lawnmower 3.0 acts like a PJ bulldozer to make you less Harry Garris. And don't forget your ball balls. When you order the Perfect Package 3.0, not only do you get the Lawnmower 3.0, you also get the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver. Give the boys a little Pat Patterson and you're fresh all day. Plus, you get some performance boxer briefs and you know it, a travel bag to use when your team is sent home from the bubble, but Manscaped does more than just nuggets. They legitimately just released some clippers. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit, and it's the perfect add-on to the perfect package. You get slashed, tipped, tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. Your hands will be in tip-top shape, whether you're eating wings at Magic City or handling your Rodney Magruder. (laughs) Right now, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. Take your grooming game to the next level. Eliminate dick slivers with Manscaped. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, some news. For the third consecutive year, the Clippers have the league's top bench man. Clippers power forward Montrezl Harrell has won the 2019-26 Man of the Year Award, eked out his teammate Lou Williams, and uh, OKC... Super sub, Dennis Schroeder. Clippers now have had the sixth man of the year winner in five of the past seven <laughs> years. Crazy, Lee, but um, bit of a surprise, I assume, to you, who were, uh, you, you know, you were definitely thinking Schroeder was going to maybe take this award. Yeah, it's a surprise, but not a surprise at the same time. Uh, Montrez has been really, really good, and he was certainly in contention for this uh, award, but uh, I thought Schroeder was going to do it, and I think the voting, though, was fairly close. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. fifth, it was the, really those first place votes that got it for Trez. He got 58. Only 35 there for Dennis. Um, so, yeah, I mean, no complaints at all. My, he, he comes out there, and Doc Rivers talked about it. He really understands what his role is on that team. Come out, give them energy, hustle. You're going to get points at the other end, but play defense, play your role, set some screens, and he brings the energy. So uh, a deserving winner for sure. And, you know, no, no complaints that Dennis didn't win it because I just think uh, Trez, he, he's been great. And, you know, the speech afterwards because – he left the bubble um, to be with his grandma, who sadly passed away. And prior to the season, his grandma said to him, according to the, the, the report, that he was like, this is your season. And so he was very, very uh, emotional that he wasn't able to sort of finish off their conversation from the season and show her the award there. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, very, very special for him. And also then the photo, he had his shoes there with Brianna Taylor 
as well. So uh, really, really well done job there from Montrez by getting the award and then, you know, expressing what it meant to him and, and, and using that to uh, further his platform as well. So very, uh, very good day for him. And uh, congratulations to the Clippers once again taking home this award. <laughs> yeah, they dominate this award. <laughs> yeah. We got all the six men. Um, of course, Lou Williams and had Jamal Crawford and stuff like that. Stat Muse had the tweet too. Trez is the first player to average 18-7 and seven on 50% shooting off of the bench in minimum 50 games since... Come on, Lily. And then seven, eighteen rebounds. It's a tough one. <laughs> rebounds. You, you, you love you love this guy, though. I think I heard you talk on the uh, podcast with Gazy and uh, Copeland about this guy. One of your favorites to uh, to be around. A legend. Shrimp? A Celtics legend. Oh no. Kevin McHale. Ah, Kevin correct. McHale, ding, ding, ding. Yes. Kevin McHale in eighty nine ninety for uh, Trez, the first guy off the bench, eighteen and seven on fifty percent shooting in the minimum number of games that are fifty games. Yeah. Congratulations. Anything to add to that? I can't assume you guys have much to add to that. I'll just say I love it because this is literal Mr. Big News. A big guy winning sixth man of the year. It never happens. The most recent would be Lamar Odom, but he's more of a tall guy than a big guy playing out on the perimeter. You kind of got to go back to Antoine Jameson circa 0304 for the last big guy to win this. So, yeah, certainly Mr. Big News. And I do love that he is a partner of Lou Williams because it's kind of like still voting for Lou Williams, right? You're like either Lou or Montrez could win this. Lou's won it so many times, including the past two. We got to give it to a different clipper. So shout out to Montrez Harrell, bringing it home for the big guys. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. And I like that Lou Williams presented him the award. That was really neat how he came out and handed it to him. Obviously, uh um, Lee talked about everything else, all the other little details that they put into the the presentation, the acceptance of the award, and that just furthers my belief that we don't need an, an NBA award show whatsoever. Just have these setups individually; these teams know what uh, means most to the player, and you know whether we, we, we saw, for instance, Nick Nurse have his old high school coach call him and have that conversation. It can mean more than getting up on a stage uh, and speaking to uh, to a bunch of people who are having uh, their free drinks. So um, let's take that out of the game. This that's changed the NBA workplace. That's that's changed the NBA uh, the NBA future. I, I think you know it was a fun little experiment, the NBA Awards show, but yeah. It didn't really knock it out of the park, if we're being honest. It was fine. I mean, look, they, they sell some ads on it, I'm sure, make some money, recoup some there, but uh, I'm with you. Like, I'm trying to even think, like, what's been the most iconic NBA awards show moment? Well, Bill, Bill, Russell, Bill Russell giving the finger to Charles Barkley. That was good. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. That was good. That's a, that's a good one. Um, but yeah. Seg speech. Uh, you know, there's there's been a couple, but... You can replicate those and even True. put some more of the little little details into it, like nurses coach calling him, Lou will come in there. You know, there's there's lots you can do. Yeah, but you're actually the the best part about these is like they're also spread out, right? These award presentations, like every couple of days or whatever. So it's like a ten to fifteen minute thing instead of a three hour award show, which yeah. you know, a lot of people are gonna tune out in the summer at that when the season's over and people are sort of already checked out. So yeah, yeah I agree with you. I'm speaking to the kids. We all have ADD. <laughs> we can't watch uh, two hours. No. We can watch three minute clips, max. Hundred percent. All right, we got some uh, final news here. This is interesting. Nuggets coach Michael Malone went after the NBA on Friday, calling their policy of not allowing coaches to bring family into the bubble "quote criminal in nature." So he was speaking to reporters ahead of Game Two, and Malone answered a different question about the bubble by saying he needed to get something off of his chest. So let's play the clip. This is day number sixty, and the, and the reason I bring that up is because. 
the players have their families here, which which they deserve, which is the right thing to do. The referees are allowed to bring one guest, which is great for the referees. The coaches, the coaches are not allowed to bring anybody. I, I say shame on you, NBA. This is crazy. I miss my family, and I think I speak for me. I speak for my coaches and probably all the coaches down here. 60 days and not having access and not being granted the privilege to have my family come here to me is criminal in nature and that shouldn't be shouldn't be at all so i wanted to get that off my chest so nuggets coach mike malone very upset there i know some other coaches sort of uh you know had his back with these comments um tass what what do you think is malone overreacting is this fair what's your opinion well, let's uh, just clear the scenario here just to make sure everybody's got it straight. The players didn't have their families until this round either. So they went you know, 50, 55, 60 days uh, without seeing their families either. And, and, and thinking back, it's, it's kind of surprising that they didn't demand that from the beginning or, or at least a lot earlier, right? So there's 22 teams that came down there. Now there's only eight, 14 of the teams didn't see their families whatsoever. Uh, but now to, to Michael Malone's part of it, um, because it, it is surprising uh, that the players are allowed. So about 15 of the, the 35 people uh, that come with each organization, the 15 players get their families to come with them, but the other 20 don't. Uh, and, and that's surprising. It really is surprising that I didn't know. I didn't know the referee rule that the referees no, can have yeah, one person. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I'm not sure when that took place. If uh, if that was from the beginning or what, but it would make sense uh, for the coaches to have somebody, a, a significant other, possibly. There, they are, are probably they're older as well. Most of these coaches, so a lot of them probably don't have little kids uh, right. that would want to be down the bubble. But a, a significant other would make sense, and and. I'm just surprised looking back, you know, we didn't go, we talked about the 135 page manual over and over and over again in in the months of April and May and June while this was happening uh, and and all the rules. And, you know, we weren't really up in arms about it because we know it's a player's league and they get, you know, first crack at everything. But looking back, yeah, it would would be, it would make sense, not just for the coaches and and all the, the party to have somebody there. Uh, but the players as well from the beginning. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to get nickel and dime here and think. Wow, this hotel room is going to cost this much. I know it's costing the the NBA a lot, but they can afford uh, to put up, or, or even. And I say an, an older these these coaches are older. It might not even cost them another hotel room. They could just be in the same hotel room. <laughs> now I'm nickel and diming. Yeah, it would make sense to have their families there. At least, you know, one or two people. They don't have to have. Uh, cousin joe and cousin bill come on but like at least their 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 (laughs) nuclear core family that would that would make sense so i i'm with i I echo i echo coach michael malone and uh it's it's a long couple months but they probably should have had it for the whole time and not even now well no no you can't say i don't think we can say they everybody should have had it from the whole like from the jump from the start because let's try and remember like months ago how insane like this idea even was and whether it was even going to work um, and we were pretty convinced the more people you try to add into the bubble, the less likely it is going to be successful. So that made sense. Like, I'm sorry, guys, like, you are going to be away from your families, you know, players included. I think where the frustration is coming from uh, with the coaches, and I think sort of rightfully, is it sounded like the NBA at the time when they're making the manual, and they're going through all the logistics and saying, OK, well, the players like, you know, if they're here, come the playoffs, then they can bring people down. Coaches 
We don't want to lock that in right now because we're not even convinced this whole experiment's going to work, this whole campus thing's going to work, but we will revisit it. That's what it sounded like they sort of said to them. They didn't say, no, you're never seeing your family again, all right? If you want to coach, you're coming down here and you're coaching. It sounded like, yeah, that might be a possibility. We'll, we'll put that on the side burner and then we'll you know revisit that. And now we're at the point to revisiting it and they have decided that they're not going to do it. And it's sort of probably you're a coach down there going, look, this is working. This is, this is safe, you know? Why can't we now, the coaches that remain here, with now opening up of rooms and stuff like that? Like, I think that make that's a fair like frustration if I was a coach, because um, that's sort of my read on this. Uh, what do you think, Trey? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. There wasn't anything in that first document about coaches coming, but they did say like, we'll try and figure it out. We'll try yeah. and figure it out for referees as well. And I'm a little unsure what's going on with the referees. Do they really have one guest? Because the league said nobody has guests except for players. So hmm. I don't know. I mean, Apparently there's a Woj statement here that uh, there are no guests for referees. So what is Malone saying then? He's wrong, I guess. No, <laughs> According to Woj here, no other team or league staff, including coaches and referees, has guests on campus. Okay. Well, that makes more sense then, right? That definitely makes more sense. Yeah. And the players, I do think, should get their, have their families be there. But like you guys are saying, it's not a huge stretch to be able to bring uh, one other person mm-hmm. to a coach's room, right? Like if it happens to be Mike Malone's wife, I think she would be fine sharing a room with Mike Malone. It's not going to cost them any more to throw somebody else in there right. in the bed. They probably already have one king bed. They don't even need two doubles. Uh, they'll figure something out, but... Two months, that's a long time. Skeets, JD, you guys were gone for a month. JD, you were gone for two months. Would you have liked to have had one family member there? I would have loved it. Hey, Malone's horny. Let's just let's just, <laughs> just call it what it is. 60 days and then, you know, joking aside, he's seeing all the, the players get their families in. I mean, at the beginning of it, you're probably like, okay, I can do this, I can do this. But then... You see all these families being reunited, and you're like, "Oh yeah, what the hell, man! Why, why wouldn't I have my family here?" It's uh, it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, I, and just like a reminder for some people out there, it's not just the head coaches, though, right? I mean, we think like, yeah. "Oh yeah, Malone and Spolstra," and like, there's a lot of coaches on these teams. I know it's it's been reduced to to keep the party smaller, but I guess if you, get, I mean, I can't assume you just say, "Well, you're the head coach, so you get your significant other." It would have to be for all of them. Uh, yeah, all, all the support staff on the yeah, on the, the same as well staff. because because again, if you if you give it to the coaches, then the assistant coaches, then the trainers, athletic trainers, like so, I don't get my wife to come, you know, and I, and I think well, more than just one guest, it should be immediate family because again, if you've got young kids, you you can't. I I would want to say just the wife can come and the kids can go and stay with grandpa and grandpa or someone like that. It's like yeah. bring them all in because it's for the mental health side of it as well. Yeah. I think and the emotional health, you know, you like you. If you've got kids and, or your wife, whoever it is, you just want to hold that person and, and go back to the hotel room and have them there at night. And uh, after again, after 60 days and seeing other people having that experience, it must be it must be awful for Michael Malone, really. So yeah. I again, feel for him. I feel for him, but I also understand the league's sort of point. But I, at the sure. same time, you know, again, we're, we're down to way fewer than uh, the amount of teams that went down there originally. So I think it's okay to bring in direct immediate family for for everyone who's been in the bubble from day one right right again i I think the whole shame on umba uh, maybe i'm reading into it but it really feels like 
you said this was maybe going to be a possibility and now we've gotten to that day and now you're still saying no and why it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me and that is why he's maybe so pissed off because like look he didn't he didn't hold back there right like uh he was calling out the league i mean he's saying this criminal in nature like again maybe even going a little too far a little like extreme. yeah a little extreme you got a nice hotel there you know you got your meals paid for and all that and but again if from the jump from day one they said coaches look listen you're not getting anybody coming down. Players are eventually, and if and you're not. So make the decision if you want to go, right? Like, you're just not going to have your wife coming or your significant other coming or family coming. Then then it's a little like, okay, now I, that's up to me. That's my decision. But again, it's like this, yeah, that might happen. So, you know, you're still there. You'll probably get somebody down there. So, I don't know. It, it, it sucks, and maybe they'll figure this out. But maybe the NBA is like, look, we've gotten to this point. <laughs> why, why risk it? We're so close. We can sort of see the finish line. Hey, Malone, you're going to lose the next couple of games here anyway. You're going to be out of here in a week. That would be a, such an awesome response from Silver. <laughs> <laughs> you're Got a statement lose. that said, you'll see your family in a week, Mike. Yeah, you're going to lose, Mike. You'll be out of here in a second. Um, anyway, let's hear from you guys. It's, a, it's an interesting one. Let us know uh, through Twitter, at NoDunkSync, or in the YouTube comments there. All right, let's get to Tweet of the Night. Mm, tweet of the Night. Wow. Twitter. Lily, what do you got, mate? Well, you know, guys, uh, I think I've shown restraint so far by not just going for the uh, low-hanging fruit. Oh, don't do it. And don't taking do it. Magic don't Johnson do tweets for don't. Tweet of the Night. But I caved after last night because Magic <laughs> went on an epic run and he had a few, but I'm only going from one game. It was after the Bucks and Heat game when Magic... Uh, <laughs> this is his first one. Jimmy Buckets Butler made every play for the Miami Heat in the fourth quarter. Whether he scored or made an assist to his teammate. Magic wasn't done there, though. <laughs> Jimmy Butler, scoring 30 points, took over the game. He was involved in every play by the Miami <laughs> Heat in the fourth, leading them to a 115-100 victory. <laughs> uh, a couple more, a couple more. <laughs> oh, no. The Milwaukee Bucks didn't play smart basketball and showed a lack of mental toughness. The fourth quarter. Well, this sounds like uh, no dunks here for the first 20 minutes. I mean, that was all right. Now, those ones, those first three tweets came in pretty quick succession, okay. but then about an hour and a half later, he came back with this one. Oh, he found out. <laughs> Jimmy Butler scored 17 points in the fourth quarter, while the entire Bucks team scored 13. A head explosion emoji. Magic's using an emoji out there. He big. used a gift the other yeah, day. Yeah, a Drake one. Yeah. So, uh, you yeah, intern. He basically did the same thing for the Rockets and Lakers game, but I saved you guys from that. I just went on the on the one game there. But, ah, uh, oh, man, Magic is just... Uh, you know, when you think about the image of what Magic was before social media, cool guy, superstar player, <laughs> had it all. <laughs> and Twitter is just like... Oh, man, and the replies are just gold after a Magic tweet. It's just, just like, thanks, Magic. Yeah, thanks for filling us in there. It's not him, though. This has lost, it. this has lost its magic to I, me. I don't think it's it. not him. I'm not even convinced he's even, like, telling someone to do this now. It's an entire bit slash brand that someone is just uh, running with that I, it does his work. Disagree. I disagree. Uh, it's pure magic. That's why. You can't. No one can, magic. No one can make that one up, that, that stuff up. It's so good. Yes, no one can pull those exact things from the Associated Press release that uh, just came up from the game. Uh, all right. Okay, Lily mailing it in here. <laughs> what a shocker. All right, congrats. Let's get to uh, the games of today. The Raptors back in business. Huge game for Tass, and, uh, of course, another one as well, Nuggets Clippers. 
Let me just uh, add, uh, I think it was Josiah Johnson who tweeted, if we remember Magic's press conference where he left the Lakers, somebody, I think it was Josiah Johnson, the caption was, Giannis, are you going to be in the conference finals? And it's Magic, not going to be able to get there. (laughs) Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, Tonight, yeah, two games. Let's start with the nightcap briefly here. 9 o'clock Eastern on TNT. Denver Clippers, game two. Mm-hmm. What do you guys see for Denver? How are they going to change it up to get back on the board here against the dominant, <laughs> dominant Clippers? You think this is over? Do you think Michael Malone has only three more games in the bubble? Trey, start us off. Uh, I got to have a little faith in the Nuggets to at least make it interesting. I mean, you could make an argument that they did the best job on Kawhi Leonard so far. Uh, in the bubble, breaking his 30-point streak by getting blown out, so he ended with 29. <laughs> but I don't know, man. The problem is Kawhi is the best player in the world, and they don't have anybody that guards him. They got to be able to outscore the Clippers. Meanwhile, the Clippers are very good defensively, and they're going to be playing a little bit even more intense, I would imagine, getting that uh, fifth in seven years, six-man-of-the-year trophy. They don't want Montrez Harrell to look like a fool. They're going to try and get another win here. But uh, let's see Jokic and Murray go off. That's the big thing. Jokic and Murray, they got to be great. Skeets, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I think uh, they got to feed, feed, feed the Joker, and he's got to have a monster game when he's done it before in the playoffs. But uh, I, I'll i say it's a closer game, but I'll still have the Clippers winning this by eight or nine, ten points in the end. Um, I don't know what the line is for this game, but they're just too much, man. They're too much. And, uh, you know, I mean, and we keep saying it like Paul George is going to have like a 30 point night in him here. He will. He'll hit five or six threes. It'll happen. He did it in the first round, too, uh, in at least one of those games. So clips by, uh, you know, a closer game, a closer game, not a blowout by, you know, the second or third quarter. But uh, clips pull it out still in the end by nine. That's what I'll go with. And that's what the line is. Oh, look at it's that. An, it's Nine a line. big niner. Uh, Lee, what do you think? Yeah, that, that's not good. Not a lot of faith there in the Nuggets being able to even keep this one close, if that's what the betters are saying, if that's where the money's going. Uh, they need to, everything to just be so so perfect for the Nuggets, really, to even stay in this one. Because, you know, Jimmy Butler is great as he's been. Kawhi Leonard's kind of like serious Jimmy Butler. But, it, you know, he just ups the ante from the start as well. Like that mm-hmm. second quarter against the Nuggets the other night, Jim, uh, Jimmy Kawhi was just so intense. And you know that's the thing with Kawhi. He's like, I want to end this series as quick as I can to get ready for the next series and uh, be fresh and play as few minutes and a few games as possible so that he's uh, not exhausting himself. So I uh, don't feel great for the Nuggets. I think they're, I think the Clippers are 2-0 up after this one and uh, 5 at max, I think, this series. So what do you got, Tass? What do you say tonight? Ooh, well, I think Jamal Murray's going to have the ball in his hands a lot more because when he was working off the ball, those four guys, they had four guys literally, you know, they they say, hey, Zubats, go guard Jokic. Us four on the perimeter, we'll take him. So mm-hmm. I think Jamal in a pick and roll with Jokic kind of forces them uh, both to get involved. Number one, forces Jokic to, to wake up right from the get-go. And uh, it, it forces just two guys to be on those dudes. Uh, so I, I think that'll help. Um, I don't know. They seem gassed, too. If, like Jamal Murray coming out of that, that seven-game series uh, interviewed right after uh, was told that it was Thursday. He only had one day off. He said, what? thought we were playing on <laughs> Friday. Uh, so he's probably fresher. Um, Jeez. Uh, they are going to give up. The Clippers are going to give up one game. I'm just not 100% yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm with you is. on that still, too. It's just what game. What yeah. game are they going to pick? <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I, I'm with Yeah, Tre- Trez should be better. Trez still isn't himself quite yet like he's 
playing to there. They're still that was last game was the first time they had the Clippers had all of their guys. Mm-hmm. So uh, game two, they could be even better. Um, and let's get to the uh, the first game briefly. Six thirty Eastern Raps and Celtics two oh, one Celtics. The question is. What time are you starting to stand? <laughs> um, well, you know, that's a great question, actually, Tass, because I have found with some of these start times we've been getting over the last couple of weeks, they're hit or miss if they're actually starting around uh, 6.30 yeah. <laughs> or suddenly they start at like 6.45. Like last night, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I felt like that one started almost around 6.30. Like it was a pretty quick, like, let's get to the jump ball. It felt quicker than some of the other ones. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy, but... Uh, I'll be standing, you know, right away, right from the right from the jump, of course, right from the tip ball. You know, social media, we'll start kicking that off during the first time out there, Tess. Uh, you okay. know, I don't want to be doing it while I'm watching the game. But, uh, you know, we'll make sure Nora's taking the photo and then uh, we'll get the hashtag stand with skeets going and we'll go from there. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we'll all get into it. I think I think I'll get into it as well, especially because nice. I saw you um, you tweet. Uh, a photo and mm-hmm. Brad Brad beats in here with a comment about it stand with skeets and drink a vanilla coke oh yeah because you tweeted a photo of you drinking a vanilla coke well yeah and you, and you asked do people drink vanilla cokes um yeah I was uh, I wasn't sure I was happy with the response <laughs> a lot of people do so like I just want to make this clear yeah I tweeted this out um I'm wandering around yesterday Nora was getting her hair cut so I had like an hour to kill so I'm just wandering around over by Inman Park I actually saw Trey Kirby going to rip some lips I drove by him I gave him a little Hong Kong um but I'm walking I'm thirsty so I I stop at the store I I love a vanilla coke every once in a while I see it but there's always a million vanilla cokes like I was like I'm like I'm convinced I'm the only person that buys this anymore and you don't even see it half the time in some stores. So I was like, is it even gone? Are these old vanilla Cokes? But uh, yeah, a lot of people responding that uh, they are vanilla Coke drinkers. Um, so <laughs> I, uh, it's great. It's a it's a tasty, tasty Coca-Cola product every once in a while. I mean, I'm talking like once every four months I'm having one and it's good. I oh. might I might be going even deeper here. Every once in a while, I don't mind a Coke vanilla zero. So sure. It's just a bunch of chemicals. You're crazy, man. Yeah, yeah, wow, crazy. Wow. I did, there were some, there were some responses for that, too. You're right. People said, yeah. yeah, make that the zero version. I love it. It's mm-hmm. a good taste. I love the taste of vanilla. Lee, you like vanilla? Who doesn't? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've never... Well, I don't think I've ever drunk a vanilla Coke before. Mm. Um, I can't imagine it would be nice because that's like... <laughs> oh, it's I know so it's nice. smooth. Really? It's very nice. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll try it. Well, no. do you like vanilla ice cream or chocolate ice cream more? Well, French vanilla. Okay. Yes. Give me some French vanilla. Only French. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, no, not the regulation vanilla. No, I need that creamy French stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. <What>? The <laughs> regulation. No, so you the, high you, maintenance, man. No, no, a little you high are. maintenance. Yeah, a little. But uh, you, you know, there's the standard vanilla, which is just like vanilla. But then there's French vanilla, which is way more rich and uh, creamier. It's way better. Organic way bananas. Better. Only yeah. French vanilla. Yeah, I will say I'll be standing tonight, uh, Skeety. I'll, I'll be doing this Good. for the remainder of the series. But uh, and also, I, when I tweeted out my photo, a few people point out my TV's a little bit uh, wonky. It's not lined up precisely. <laughs> now it's they're true. They're, they're right. They're right because right. Uh, I was. It's it's up on the wall, and it's one of those things that allegedly like pulls out, and you can move it around. Yeah, uh, you can't. You can't for some reason. I, was, I nearly pulled it off the wall. So then I put it back, and now I've been like I've been trying to straighten it up, and I can't do that. Uh, so that's the way it is. It doesn't bother me, but I understand a few of those uh, OCD people out there like 
They can't look at the photo. That doesn't bother you, but heaven forbid somebody give you normal vanilla ice cream and this guy freaks out. This is why you're the weirdest person to me. Your TV is literally off kilter. You're like, that's fine. Well, I tried. I tried. And it was one of those things I'm like, I know when the guy pulled, when the guy originally put it in seven years ago, he's like, see, you just pull it out and you can move around. I'm like, okay, great. And I I tried to do it one time. And you know, when it just sort of like starts coming off the wall and I'm like, oh my God, what's going to, this is going to, it's going to fall off here. Right. So I just pushed it back in. It's steady. And I'm like, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've jiggled it. I've jiggled it some more. I've pushed it. Then I'm like, all right, this is it. This is how we're going. So. Oh, man. I, I, I'm tired of the comments when I do the stand with skeets of like, why is your TV so small? Mm. Learn perspective, people. <laughs> Holy moly. It drives me insane. And I'm not like, I don't have a gigantic TV, but it's definitely not small. I know you guys could speak to that. It's like, God, do you not, have you never watched Lord of the Rings? Do you not have figured it out how they do that with, the, with Bilbo Baggins? <laughs> you got that Frodo TV, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, I got the yeah you can't tweet a picture of yourself in your house without people chiming in on the back. For me, it was like, huh, why you got all those scissors? My kids <laughs> like to cut, man. My kids like to cut with waves, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Stop being weirdos and zooming in on my fiddle leaf thing, you know? Like, whatever it's called. Anyway, stand with skeets. Let's get it trending tonight. Hashtag stand with skeets is a huge game. I, I would almost go so far to say it's pivotal, but Call I'm not. Call it pivotal. Not, not yet. Call it. Call it pivotal. Oh, it's, a seri- it's a series tonight. If the Raptors lose, they're done. There's no way wow. they're coming back. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's pivotal then. For the Raptors, at least. Not for the Celtics. That's the thing. No. See, it's not pivotal for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Can it be pivotal if, if it's only for one team, then? No, it's just a must well, I, I tell you, my TV's not pivotal. 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 Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This it's team Saturday. is unpivotable. <laughs> All right. Go Raptors. Uh, sorry to the Beantown boys, but we're obviously cheering on the Raptors here. Okay, let's call it there. Fun Saturday podcast. Thanks for joining us, uh, especially if you joined us live on YouTube. Email us your questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com. If you listen to the podcast on iTunes, leave your boys a five-star rating and review. We would really, really appreciate it. Clipper Bros. You heard it here first. Have a great time. Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. And remember, folks, Game 4, Celtics Raptors, the first Game 4 that is pivotal in NBA history. Go Raptors. Embrace the day, people.